0: Welcome to what you didn't expect in fertility, pregnancy, and birth. How we think and feel about this enormous transition often lives in the gap between what we expected and what we actually experienced. This gap exists in part because of how we tend to talk about and portray these events on all kinds of media in a one-dimensional way. Everything was amazing, but it's more often the case that there are beautiful things that happened and at the same time, really challenging things that happened. This show shares true experiences, both the easy parts and the difficult parts and how we manage what we didn't expect. The intense things that can happen in the course of this transition can impact how you see yourself, how you see your partner and how you parent. The better we understand what happened to us, the better we can manage all the things that follow. I'm your host, Paulette Komenica, a writer and an economist and the mother of two girls. And I met many, many challenges in this process, none of which I expected. In today's episode, Tanya and I talk about her second birth, which was different in almost every way from her first. Her first birth was an emergency C-section in the hospital. Her second was a smooth and serene home birth, but the aftermath was much trickier. Tanya shares the things she learned about, including children in the home birth process, the value of a doula, not only for birth, but for postpartum care, how and when to advocate for herself. Dr. Breville also adds insights about the issues that come up, including postpartum depression and blood clots. We pick up where we left off last week. Tanya and her husband have just gotten home after the birth of their first child and are not anticipating the degree of difficulty involved in the immediate postpartum.
1: Going home and taking the baby home, we didn't know what we were doing because women don't talk about those things. We didn't know that we would need help in the first few weeks and the type of help that we would need. It was hard making food, even getting a shower in. I didn't understand that you're going to need extra hands. Also always like a person that's like, okay, I got it. I got it. I can do this. I can do multiple things. But coming home for the first time with a newborn and having to do all these things and all these appointments and all these, all this stuff, I was like, okay, what is this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is it? yeah. (laughs)
1: And you know, the sleep deprivation, not getting a wink of sleep, and then being cautious about how we lay the baby down. And I'm up like scared looking at the baby all night. They're like, oh, sleep when the baby's asleep? no,
0: because I have to make
1: sure the baby is breathing.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I'm with you. That's first time <laughs> mom.
1: That's that's how it goes. We felt bad asking for help this first time around. So everything changed with the second one <laughs>
0: because we learned our lesson postpartum is a rude shock for many of us, right? You just have no sense of how all consuming it will be to tend to every single need of another person. Yes, And if you're breastfeeding, it's gotta be you and you alone for a lot of that. And once the sleep goes, it's very hard to do other stuff, right? It's hard to be focused and make the meals and take care of yourself. And so how much time between the first and the second for you? six and a half years. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then was it hard to get pregnant again the second time or now that you figured it out? No, we were using the cycle beads
1: and I thought it was going to be hard because the second one I got pregnant at 39. So I was like, Oh, we might have to do some work. We might have to, but nope. During the pandemic, I took the cycle beads off and I was like, eh, we'll see. And
0: boom. <laughs> well that's fun and does this pregnancy have hyperemesis in it or no?
1: Yeah, it it has yes. <laughs> it does. In the very beginning, it wasn't the full 10 months. It was okay, maybe 6 of the months out of the 10. Okay. Uh, so the second trimester and I did some things differently this time. I I did a lot of yoga this time and I didn't have the food aversions this time with the puking. So I was able to eat anything I was craving, meat, again, I was uh, at this point, again, I'm vegetarian again, but I'm craving meat. Like, okay, well, I'm just going to give my body what it wants. I was eating that. And once I fed it what it wants, it was like, okay, you're all right. You're cool now. (laughs) So a lot less throwing up this time. That's a relief. And then
0: knowing what you learned from the first one, did that temper the way you walked into birth the second time?
1: Yes, yes. We searched feverishly for a birth team that was going to respect and hear my needs and hear my story about the first birth and really be proactive and making sure that this birth was different. We found a midwife here. We interviewed. A lot of people wouldn't take me because they didn't want to do a VBAC at my age. Um, going into 40. They didn't want to do it. And then also, according to the numbers on the paper, I'm overweight. And so they did not want to take me on as a risk. So we had to interview a lot of midwives and we found one that was a perfect fit. And she's very skilled in VBACs. and we met with her and I decided that I wanted to do a home birth, an H-back, because I was like, I, I want to be comfortable in my home. I don't want tubes hanging out from everywhere. I don't want to be told I can't walk around. I want those kind of freedoms and I want to be in the comfort of what I'm what I'm used to and be able to have the things at my disposal that are here in my home. So she really really went over the first birth with me and everything that that happened step by step and even talked to my previous uh, midwife that I was working with before. And she said, I think you're a prime candidate for an H-back. And she was like, you're in shape. And she was just like, even though you're overweight by the numbers on the paper, you're still pretty healthy. You eat well, you're in shape and you're open-minded. So I think I can take your case and we can make this work. From the beginning, when we first started working with her, I mean, so much attention, so much attention to details. So, so many check ins. She came to my house so many times (laughs) throughout the course of this. She spent hours with me when I had my appointments. It wasn't a quick five minutes in and five minutes out. I mean, we spent hours. She she bought in a nutritionist for me that specifically had meal plans ready typed up in my inbox for me to 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 adhere to. We did acupuncture, we did we did a lot of things. And then I also had a doula. We were friends first before her her practice blossomed, but I had a I had a doula. I didn't have a doula the first time around. I had more education this time, more knowledge and, and going into the things that I experienced before. Okay, though, well, these are the things that I want. These are the things that I don't want. Can we have some information about these scenarios and what would happen in each scenario? So I felt way more educated. And again, it was it's six years between the birth because that the after the first one, I said I was going to be one and done. I said, I didn't want any more, any more children, but it's kind of like you have selective memory. <laughs> at a certain point, it kicks in and it's just like, oh, let's do it again. All the babies. Yeah. But this time it was a lot more education and then also a lot more boundaries. I was able to, with my husband, no, okay, we're not going to tell certain people. We don't want that that energy around us for this pregnancy. We're going to pretty much keep it in within the family and our birth workers and our local community who just, you know, they're going to see us me waddling around pregnant anyway. So, (laughs) so, you know, just, just being able to create boundaries and because I had the education was really, really integral in having a second kid.
0: Well, this sounds like an amazing team and take us to the birth. How do we know today's the day? The baby was due on Halloween.
1: I walked, I did trick or treat and all that thought, thought for sure. Baby's coming. Nope. (laughs) A week later. I said, okay, well, let me just do some ball workouts this week. So I did like a a bounce, a ball bouncing workout and did some kind of yoga. And when I went to sleep the night before on November the 8th, I was like, oh, she's going to come. The birthday is tomorrow. She's coming tomorrow because I feel she was really low. My midwife did a check and she was like, oh, you're four centimeters or so. I was dilated oh, wow. like, like, uh, like a lot. <laughs> and she's like, oh, the baby's coming. And I was like, okay, well, a day or two, I don't know. But I knew that night before, and then when I went to sleep, I had a dream about water and that I was sitting at an ocean or water. And so I I knew the baby was coming then because I'm a water sign. The baby's a water sign. And I was like, oh, the baby's birthday is is coming. Like I'm going to wake up. And sure enough, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning with contractions, which I didn't feel the first time. So the the whole process, the birthing process was different physically too, for me this time, I felt the contractions. I woke up at three o'clock. I was like, okay, this is typical Black girl stuff. I did not have my hair done. So I was like, I got to wake up and do my hair before the baby comes. (laughs) So I woke up and started putting braids in my hair. It was, it was wild because I I was feeling the contractions. They were getting stronger. They were getting closer. And I'm standing in a mirror braiding my hair because I know that for the next 40 weeks, I won't be able to do anything. So I was putting braids in my hair and then my husband woke up and my daughter and he's like, chill. He's like, okay, I'm gonna do yoga this morning. You know, I'm gonna be, we're gonna be relaxed this time. We're not gonna be stressed out, bag packed and everything just in case. And the, the contractions are getting closer, quicker than I imagined. And so the, the pain was just like, I was just like, I'm surrendering this. I had affirmation cards. My daughter is six at the time and I wanted her to be a part of, the birthing process for several reasons. Number one, because I realized that motherhood starts even when you're young, <laughs> Yeah, you know, the things that you see and, and by me not having anyone to really talk to about that, I was, I was just confused about a lot of things. So I wanted her to know the process. I wanted her to see the process of what it's like to give birth. And so that's, you know, let me just
0: stop you there to say that is beautiful and remarkably self-aware to be like, I, I don't want to perpetuate the situation that I grew up in, which was silence. Yes. Right. So this is such a gift to her. Okay, yes. go.
1: <laughs> yes. And so beforehand we talked to her, we prepped her. My widow wife came over and did a class with her. We talked about the body parts and all those things. Cause I was like, Oh, she's going to be seeing everything. Cause we're going to yeah. be at home. And so she had a job a little mini jobs to do. She was responsible for getting water and making sure the water was refilled. And she took it seriously. She was on top of it. She's like, mommy, I got your water. I got, and it was just so cute. Super I was just cute. like, oh. oh my God. <laughs> my doula came at about seven 30 in the morning because by then the contractions were getting closer and closer. And my doula came and she bought, she bought a team with her. That was a surprise for me because she had asked me before, but I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think she was going to bring anybody, but she had a, a photographer, a birth photographer.
0: <laughs> so smart.
1: Yes. And I was like, oh, cause I didn't, I didn't think about those things, but she bought a birth photographer and then she bought two other doulas. And one of the doulas is, is a therapist. And so she was there to give me mental support, not only then, but she came for the first two weeks Oh wow, to, to do some. And, and I was, I was just blown away because I was like, this kind of care exists. Whoa, yeah. this is great. Yeah. And so sh- the day of my midwife was, had another birth the night before. And so she was running a little bit behind. So the baby was coming so fast. I thought that I was like, oh no, midwife's not going to be here in time. The baby is coming out. I have to, you know, I was pushing, I wasn't ready to push, but I was pushing and I know I'm not supposed to do that, but I was pushing and pushing. Cause I was like, oh gosh, we got it. We, you know, we're going to have the baby here. The baby's coming. I feel the baby coming. And my doula was like, okay, well, we we're not going to hold in a baby, right, <laughs> right, to, right. you know. So we were pushing, but I wasn't ready quite ready to push. But we were pushing. And the midwife arrived maybe forty minutes before before the baby arrived. Wow! So the midwife came, and I had I had put I had gotten into the bathtub because at that point I was just like, whoo, this is a lot. I didn't take any medication or anything. I said, well, I want to feel every little bit of this <laughs> so i got into the the bathtub and i was like nope get me out of here i don't like this <laughs> get me out of the bathtub and then my wife said tanya you know breathe breathe she held my face she gave me a hug she's like you can do this baby's coming i want you to push now now we're gonna push you're gonna go on a, what are you comfortable with the bed squatting what what, what do you want I said, "Let me just go on the bed, you know. Let me go on the bed." And so we we got on the bed, and I was pushing, 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 and the baby just slid right out. And my husband caught the baby.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome.
1: <laughs> so husband caught and pulled the baby. It, it was just such a beautiful moment. I mean the 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 home. It was such a beautiful moment, a beautiful experience. It went downhill postpartum, <laughs> and we'll we'll chat about that. But the actual birth was was just beautiful. It was an experience that I don't know. I can't even put into words. What does your daughter say about it? Oh, my daughter was, everybody was crying. She was, she went back and forth because she said she wanted to color a little bit. Yeah. She's <laughs> got then, priorities,
0: right? Yes. Things have to be done. <laughs>
1: yes. And so she was in between. And the other doula that was there was actually wonderful with her because she was working with her with the coloring and she let her take some pictures with her camera. And so it was kind of like going in and out. She was a part of it. And then she was just like, Okay, yeah, but I'm, you know, really six. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, to fair, cut. totally fair. So, but she was she was very emotional and it was a good emotion. It was joy. It was, it was just like, oh wow, this and and I knew I was like, Wow, she's gonna know that this is how births are done yeah. this, this is a good way to do birth yeah and then the baby went to breastfeed and she caressed the baby as the baby was on bosom she was asking lots of questions and so even though if i was you know out of it because i had actually i had torn and i didn't know that i had 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 torn anything at that moment and that's when it kind of all went crazy, <laughs> went wild at that point but in that moment, that beautiful moment, you know, she was asking questions and, and just very excited to, to be a big sister at that point. So I had, I had torn, I had a second, a second degree tear.
0: Yeah.
1: And so my husband had to take everyone out of the room, including the baby. Cause we just, can we the, didn't can want the
0: midwife fix that.
1: Yeah. Okay. This was, this was where it's at the midwife. She went and sutured me she yeah. said i'm going to go she said your tear is in a weird is in a weird spot and it's it's deep but i can suture you so she went up and suture but she told me she said please go and and get checked i was petrified because number 1 it, it was a recent outbreak with with covid and i did not want to go to the hospital and I wasn't ready yet I mean of course I was gonna go to get the appointments and all those things like that but I wasn't at that time I was like I just want to enjoy this moment I'm not ready and I was like okay well let me just see she she sutured me up she said everything looked good she came back the next day and she checked it was still the stitches were still in place and everything so I was like okay I might not have to go I think I'm okay but I was bleeding and I was bleeding a lot still and at that point that's where the midwife and the doulas, they transitioned out of the, the role. I mean, they were checking on me by phone, but that was when we were supposed to take over. And again, I had not asked for help. We had the very much attitude, okay, we got this. We're good. Everything will be Okay. We didn't realize, of course, with another child, with a six-year-old. Okay, we still have to take care of a six-year-old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the honeymoon period is over because groceries still have to be done and all those things. Yeah. So we started doing this again, where we were just like, okay, we, we we're trying to do all the things, and all the while, I had torn, and I was the ble- the blood was collecting. I was hit with postpartum depression very quickly. And while my husband was out with my daughter, making sure that our school and all those things, I was sitting in the rocking chair with the baby breastfeeding and I did not move. And this went on for a couple weeks. of me. so, So
0: I'm guessing you don't know it's postpartum depression. You just feel badly.
1: Yeah, I just feel badly. But then I'm telling myself, oh, you know, you're okay. You gave birth at home. Like you gave birth naturally. You're, you're just tired or you know i was telling myself all these different things
0: well so you don't it, you don't want it to be anything yeah right? i you don't want, it. want to be wake up tomorrow and it'll be gone right Yes. So that makes sense yeah <laughs> i brought this issue of how to recognize postpartum depression to dr berval what do you tell your patients as a way to be able to recognize postpartum depression what do you advise
2: so reproductive psychiatry is a huge area that requires more attention first about 80% of birthing individuals will have some sort of what we call postpartum baby blues. This is not depression. I want to be very clear, it's not depression. But it is a change in the way that you might see yourself, the way you might see your baby. It might just be lower energy or a little bit of you know a lower appetite, but definitely not anything where you're seeing yourself as having any suicidal ideation or any thoughts of self-harm or harming other people. Then we kind of get to pars- postpartum depression, which can be identified usually in a clinical setting with some, you know, different screening tools that we should be using at every postpartum visit with our patients. What I tell my patients is, is I screen them. You know, I, I ask them point blank, period. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are you viewing yourself? How are you viewing your baby? Yes,
1: and so... At this point, you know, a couple weeks later is about four weeks later, I start feeling this pain like in my leg and it's almost like a pulled muscle. And I'm just like, I think I pulled a muscle. I think I pulled a muscle. I must've gotten in the bed wrong, you know, or something like that. But I look down, I am I finally am aware now because I'm like, oh my God, I'm in pain. The pain woke me up because yeah. I, I was going in and out and I didn't, didn't acknowledge the pain. But my leg was just hurting. It was like hurting really, really bad. It was like throbbing. And so went from like hip to all the way to my knees. And then I called my doula and my midwife and I was like, I don't know if this is normal, but I'm in a lot of pain. And I took pictures of my legs. And I said that one one of my legs is bigger than the other one. Like it's red and it's swollen. And so my midwife called my husband and she said, you have to get her to the ER right now. i Don't want to say what's going on because I'm not a doctor, but she could have a blood clot because she did tear. And I don't know if she's been moving enough or what the situation is, but you need to get her to the ER. And so I was very scared again, because I was just like, I I survived the birth, but here we go. And we went to the ER and I had to go in there by myself. This was, they were having Mm -hmm. another outbreak. I had, my husband had the baby and the six-year-old in the car. And I, I was triaged and they said, yep, you you got a blood clot. After I did a CT scan, you have a blood clot in your femoral and your thigh area. And so we need to put you on blood thinners before this travels. They, because of COVID, they did not keep me at the hospital. They sent me home. It was less than 24 hours. So they sent me home with a blood clot.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> with, scary.
1: Yes. With a prescription saying, you have to go get these blood thinners. I had the baby on the 9th and it happened right before Thanksgiving. Everything was closed. And because COVID was spiking, everything was like gone. Like they didn't have any medications. My husband had to go all over the city to try to get my blood thinning medication. And I I couldn't get it because it was the Thanksgiving holiday. And so what happened, I called another doctor and the doctor that I was seeing postpartum was a, a nurse practitioner. And so I had called there and I said, "Look, I have a blood clot. I'm on medication. I can't even get the medication because they're out of the medication." You know, what do I do? And so I was advised to just, "Okay, you'll be fine. Like, you'll be fine. We just have to get through this this holiday and then, you know, you go get it and then yada yada." I was Wait, the, wait the a medication-
0: minute. I'm I'm not okay with this. This does not feel like the right advice here yes you'll be okay that's not what they said at the ER they didn't say right be okay exactly exactly and
1: so I was told okay well you gotta just go back to the ER okay so it hit me because I was just like okay I this is crazy I'll go back to the ER on a holiday which wasn't like okay the biggest thing but back I went to a different hospital because I was like they released me at the hospital here So I want to make sure I go someplace where, okay, they have to admit me if they need to because of the shortage and all the things that are going on. So I went to a different hospital and this time I went to a women's hospital and my leg was in more pain. It was not getting better. And then the admitting GYN who came in, they did another leg scan and they were like, Tanya, your blood clot started in in your abdomen, in your groin area, and has now gotten all the way down to your ankle it has spread, the blood clot is is just growing, expanding. So she admitted me to the hospital and she said, you know, you're going to have to stay here. We're going to monitor you and make sure that you have the medication that you need.
0: What are the early signs of a blood clot? What do you do about that? How, How do I know if I'm a patient at home? What's going on?
2: Yeah. So for a blood clot, especially for patients who have had a major surgery like a C-section or have been immobilized for a prolonged period of time. It's really important for you to be aware of symptoms of some sort of blood clot, as you mentioned. If it's in your leg, it's called a deep vein thrombosis. If it's in your lungs, it's called a pulmonary embolism. And we get very concerned about blood clots because if it blocks an area that is the same diameter as that clot itself, it can block all blood flow to that area definitely His leg swelling is one of those signs and symptoms and pain unilaterally is one of the signs and symptoms that we are concerned about when it comes to DBT. If it was like, let's say she had shortness of breath, that could be the signs and symptoms of a pulmonary embolism. And Tonya did the right thing by presenting to the hospital. Does not matter if it's Thanksgiving, does not matter if it's Christmas or New Year's. It does not matter. It is an emergency and it's important for you to have the appropriate treatment. At the time, my family couldn't be there
1: because there were no kids allowed because of COVID, no babies. I had some express milk. My doula came and I was pumping in the hospital. I had to get educated because I didn't yeah. know which which medications I could take. They were offering me some that would interfere with the breastfeeding. And so I had to make those decisions. Okay, I had to stop it. Okay, am I going to continue breastfeeding or am I not? I wanted to continue. So I, I did not take any pain medication. And I also made sure that they gave me the blood thinners that were considered safe for, for nursing moms. And I, I continued to pump and send milk home. My husband was freaking out a little bit because the baby did not want expressed milk. The baby cried and just didn't want expressed milk. So he didn't want to take a
0: bottle. So that that means no. Yeah.
1: She didn't want to take a bottle at all. I was admitted and I was in the hospital all the way almost till Christmas. What? Oh my God. It was a long, it was a while. It was, it was like three weeks in the hospital. I couldn't walk. So I had to do rehab to walk again. Wow. I had an emergency thrombectomy because the blood clot was moving so fast. Even with the blood thinners, they had to stop it. They had to get
0: to clear it out to lessen so is the risk. Is that a surgery where they go into your vein to take it out?
1: Yes. Yes. They go in to take out the the clot. They scrape it out because at that point they were scared that it was a piece was going to break off. At the hospital, they told me, they said, you're going to, honey, I'm sorry. You're going to need help when you, when you go home, you're not just going to go home and go back to motherhood. You have to do those things, but I couldn't use the bathroom. And there were things at home that I didn't have. I didn't have a wheelchair at home. I didn't have a walker. I didn't have compression stockings that (laughs) I didn't have any of those things at the time. I'm like grateful because I have my life. I'm grateful. It could have went the other way. Yeah, Um, And so Balancing that gratitude with with the overwhelm, too, was was an emotional experience that was just crazy. I think I I was more depressed because I'm like, this is not just a regular postpartum. I'm recovering from a major surgery, from blood clots, from all the things. And I'm also in postpartum. So it's another added layer. And then all the things like, okay, well, maybe I regret having this baby at home. I regret, you know, and then having all those things swirling in my head, like, what did, did I do something wrong? Or maybe we shouldn't have done this or done that.
0: Well, well, I would say maybe you did and maybe you didn't, but your clotting factors after pregnancy don't normalize for a bunch of months. And it's yeah. a, every single woman who gives birth, whether you gave birth in the hospital or not, is at an increased risk for blood clots. Yeah. After pregnancy. So, I mean, that's true no matter where you had the birth.
1: And and talking to, you know, my healthcare providers this time around, they were really empathetic and also to, to help me to get me to understand that, look, this is, this is actually pretty, you know, you have a, actually pretty co- uh, common risk of getting a blood clot, like no. af- after birth. This is not, it's not super rare.
0: So one thing you talked about is kind of what you learned from that or what you would do differently. Yes. It's hard to
1: say. It's hard to say. One thing I learned from that, one important lesson that I learned from that too, was this also being vulnerable to, to ask for help. I started again, like with this, this, okay, superwoman complex. Oh, we don't need any help. We're good. We're good. But I really did need help. I needed therapy. I got all of those things happen because of the blood clot. I came out of the hospital, immediately went to therapy. I reached out to people and said, look- this is what happened. I'm in the hospital. My my six year old had never to that point. She's never spent the night at anyone's house. I said, "Look, okay, all bets are off." I had to call a friend and say, "Hey, can you come pick up the six year old?" She kept her for a a week. My doula, she was done, but I was like, "I still need you." And I was in the hospital by myself too. Yeah. You know, because my husband had the baby, the newborn. So I said, "I, I don't want to go through this alone. Can you come to the hospital? Yeah. Just to hold my hand <laughs> yep. before before I go down to surgery." So I was very vocal. I had someone who started a GoFundMe page for me. I was hesitant about putting it out there because we hadn't told anyone that we were even pregnant in the first place, (laughs) but I had to surrender to that too. And I had to say, we need the help because I'm gonna need rehab. I'm gonna need a nurse to come into the house to to help me to build myself back up so that I can be a mother. If, If I'm not together and not whole, how can I be there for anyone else? So what I learned this time around was that it's, it's okay if you, you know, need help. Community care is what gets mothers through and gets new parents through. And so it's okay to, to ask for that help and be vulnerable and be in a position where you ask, because if you don't ask, how are you going to receive? You're just going to sit in, in, in silence and suffer again. And it's another point of breaking that silence. Breaking that silence, okay, this is what I need. And this is what I need to make this situation as optimal as it can be, because it's a pretty cruddy situation right now. But I'm thankful that I have a voice that I can ask for help to make this better for myself and my family. So I would say that that's one of the most important things. And also to advocate for yourself as well. This time I learned going back to the hospital that I have to speak up. Yes, I still want to breastfeed. Yes, no, I don't want the, the pain medication, the narcotics, because I'm I'm still going to be doing those things. What What is it that you're giving me? How, how is this going to affect my mothering? How is this going to affect my physical um, recovery when I get home? So asking
0: lots of questions. Those are great takeaways. And the truth of the matter is every single person absolutely needs help.
1: There's a book that I would like to mention. It's called, Hey Sis, You're Pregnant and it's by Shanisha Boswell. When I was first looking at reading materials um, with the first child, there wasn't anything specific to me as a black woman giving birth and walking into these situations and what I needed to advocate for and also how I needed to get a doula and all those things. But Shanisha Boswell's book is a really good comprehensive guide for for black women, your experience might be different. So these are the things that you need to look for and advocate for yourself as a black person giving birth in America. And then I know that the earth app by yes,
0: IRTH, right? Yes,
1: IRTH. Yes. And so just having more resources and advocating. Wait, wait, so let's
0: talk about that for one second. The earth app, as I understand it, is a way to talk about medical people who are helpful or not helpful. Yes. So it's yes. Like giving people a heads up in different localities to say this person is actually useful to go to and this person is not.
1: Yes. Yep. Yelp for childbirth. Yep. <laughs> yep. You want to go somewhere where you're not treated like a number, where it's important to have loving hands upon you in, in the situations of childbirth, pre, during, and after. You want loving hands upon you, people who care deeply about your well being.
0: One other resource I want to throw out there, which is not specifically geared to women of color, is Leapfrog Group a website that creates a report card for hospitals with respect to C-section rates. And although this is for all women, black women are on average more likely to have a C-section. According to Neil Shah, who's an OB who researches birth outcomes at Harvard, C-sections in this country vary between seven and 70% by hospital. It's a tenfold risk depending on where you go. And there are parts of the country, he says, Miami-Dade County, lots of Southern California, where within the same zip code, it's like multiple times risk depending on which hospital you go to. So the hospital you choose, which is partially in your control, can to some degree affect if you have a C-section or not. And in your case with your first one, it sounded like they did everything they could and you did a good job of advocating for yourself early on to say, let's not rush to a C-section until you absolutely needed it.
1: Yes. And
0: and so I think with yours, it's a pretty clear case. She's stuck and this is what has to happen. But that's not always the case. So data is your friend.
1: It was such a pleasure talking to you and thank you for 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 chatting with me about this experience. We need to talk more <laughs> like about agreed birth. It's, agreed, it's...
0: thanks so much for coming on. Thanks again to Tanya for sharing her story and all that she learned from her two very different births and postpartum experiences. Having a baby is a massive change in everything about someone's life, their body, their outlook, their future. Often for a change this big, experience is the way we learn, but hopefully we can learn from each other's experience to create a more realistic expectation for ourselves, both about what has already happened and what's yet to happen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please share it with friends. We'll be back next Tuesday with another inspiring story.